0: Hey, this is Pastor Stephen from The Vine in Chapel Hill. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Our prayer is that regardless of where you are right now, the God of this universe would speak specifically to your heart through this message in Jesus' name. For more information about our church, mission, or to give online towards this ministry, go to thevinechurch.com. If uh, you want to be flipping in your in your Bible to uh, the 24th chapter of Luke, and I'm going to look at a single verse here in Luke 24. I love this verse. <coughs> Luke 24, verse 32, this is a neat passage of scripture for you to study sometime, maybe this week, but as the disciples, as they're walking with Jesus, um, they, they said to each other, looking back on the experience of having just met with Jesus without realizing it, which is often us, a lot of times you may not realize what the Lord is doing until maybe a day or so later, if not years, and in verse 32, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn? within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us didn't our hearts burn they're saying we were remember when we were walking with that guy jesus was sort of um, disguised they didn't recognize him physically but they look back and they say didn't didn't we kind of have some heartburn as we walked along with him didn't you kind of feel like you know, you needed a Tums or a Rollade or something. Wasn't, wasn't something happening in you as we were walking, you know? And one guy says to another, yeah, I felt that too. I thought we just had some some bad unleavened bread. And, you know, they're saying there was something that was happening as I was meeting with, with Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about today is just um, heartburn and just fire in the chest um, that, that God produces. When we're in his presence, when we're, when we're reading his scripture, when we're talking with him, as these disciples were talking with him, and as his word was being explained, as we're going to explain it today, there's a, there's a fire that happens. And I think that's just the best way to, to, to describe it. And it almost sounds like like it's symbolic of something until you've actually experienced it for yourself and you think, no, it's really fire. Like it's really a burning That happens. You know, I've even had experiences, you know, in Acts where it says, you know, that the Holy Spirit ascended. It it was almost like it rested on their shoulders. I've even experienced that myself too, where I'm in worship and I'm thinking, goodness, my (laughs) shoulders are burning up, you know? And so I want to talk about this sort of fire in the chest. And if you've not experienced it, then I'm going to talk about how we can have that today. And so there is a, a burning in our chest that happens and it's an immediate response to our decision to follow Jesus. Immediately as we as we decide, I believe, um, there's this um, initial spark that happens. I hate it when I forget my props. I had a prop. And um, where's Jesse? What are those things called? Remember those things you got? Those little spark sticks? Oh. what are they? they have a name? Flint. 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 Yeah. And uh, spark sticks. That's the technical <laughs> term. Come on. <laughs> And that's, you know, as you stick those things together and there's this, like, the spark of it, that's really what I see happen. When someone, someone, anyone, I don't care if you're five years old, I don't care if you're a hundred years old, if you just really get to a point in your life and you think, you know what, I believe. I really believe. Not just that there is a God. Not just, you know, I'm putting a question mark on it or a comma or even a period. No, I'm putting an exclamation mark on my belief to just say, I really believe like, there's a God who loves me, and He loved me so much that He sent His Son here for me. And when someone really gets all those pieces of belief in alignment, like, it was really for me, I believe. I've seen that happen hundreds, of, if not thousands of times, and it's just a spark. And you just see it. And they're, it's almost like, what is that? You know? And you'll feel it in a service. Maybe someone will give an invitation or something, and... You'll feel like your heart's racing, and and you're, there's a beating, and you're thinking, "I got to open that thing up," you know, and, and I've experienced that. And maybe several of you have experienced that before, and I want that, that's that initial spark that happens with belief. But I want to just—that's not exactly what I'm talking about today. As a spark, I, I'm not really talking about the initial sparks. I'm losing a couple of people. Just. <laughs> um, um, Although I've seen that happen so many times, that initial spark, I've probably only seen a few dozen people who have watched that spark actually continue to burn bigger and brighter day by day, rain or shine. And that is really what the Lord desires. It's not the, just the remember that little feeling i had back when when there was a spark but what, what he desires and what i'm going to talk about today is is the fireplace um and the the, the fireplace three words is our hearts and it's where god wishes to burn and so um you know how they say when you're, you're first in love or something, there's like sparks fly and butterflies and there's all that magical stuff. Well, that happens in a relationship with, with Jesus too. There's, there's just this moment where sparks are going, but um, the Lord desires for those sparks to turn into a fire. And so I'm not really talking about sparks today. I want to talk about wildfires <coughs> because these sparks aren't dangerous. And yet our churches are full of people who have never made it past sparks and smoke. And the Lord wants more for His people than sparks and smoke. He wants uncontrollable, uncontainable, untamable church full of consuming fires. And so I want to talk about that. And we're going to look in Hebrews, one verse in Hebrews that the Lord spoke to me. Uh, I'm really excited to speak today because I had a week off last week and if you give me an extra week I'm just fired up so I want to look at this one single verse Um, no actually I can't I want to move back up one more how about verse 28 Hebrews 12 verse 28 since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable praise the Lord Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God, my translation says, for our God is a devouring fire. Mm -hmm. Our God is a devouring fire. Some of your translations would say an all-consuming fire. Our God is an all-consuming fire. So that's where I want to start here and just understanding that God is... In all-consuming fire. He is in all-consuming fire. Do you know that? Do you know that God has zero desire to be regulated? He has absolutely no desire to be put in a pit. He has no desire to be controlled by the thermostat. He is all-consuming. God is not a little spark. God is not what you roast a marshmallow on. God wishes to be in your life and He wishes to be out of control. Out of whose control? Yours. God wishes to live outside of your control. That's kind of scary, isn't it? If we could be so honest this morning, I think we could say that we really don't desire for many things to be out of our control. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Has anyone ever said that? I just wish that my finances would be more out of control. I wish that my children would just be more out of control. Like, this is not a a logical desire within our hearts, right? To have less control. Oh, I just wish I had less control of this situation. I have too much control of it. Said no one ever. Yet God says, I want to be an all-consuming, uncontrollable fire in your life. I want you to have no say-so in what I do. That's a scary relationship. But that's the one that God wishes for. That's his very character, is that he is all-consuming. It's scary, but it's powerful. And it's dangerous because it's hot. And the craziest thing about a fire like that is while it might be out of our control and it might be a little scary, it can't be put out. Remember all those fires that they were having just a few years ago, like in the mountains, the Smoky Mountains in Gatlinburg? I remember if you remember videos of that it was crazy People seeing people drive through the mountains and they're just like engulfed by flames just all around them surrounding them And I'm you're looking at this and they go we can't put this out It was all it was all consuming They're always having these in California too, these wildfires that you just see are burning for days If not weeks because they're out of control and they can't even be extinguished and so you know, that's, that's the first thing maybe you could write down today, and I'll make some sense of this if you're missing it, but controlled fires can be put out, but wildfires cannot. And so while we may have a desire to control God, if we control God, we must know that that fire pit that we put Him in can be blown out. It's only when He becomes an all-consuming flame that it, it loses its ability to be extinguished. Um, I asked Sean this week, he doesn't know how, how important of a part he played in today's message, surprise. I asked Sean this week, who we know, he spoke with us maybe a, a month ago or so, talking about his experience as being a firefighter. And so I asked him this week, I said, if you got a call in from, from your chief, or, or, and it said that um, what you're about to experience is an all-consuming fire. And I, I asked him, and I'm going to read it as an exact quote. He has no idea what, he didn't know about this message, but I, I said, just know when I text you, it very well could get in Sunday. <laughs> so just uh, bear with me because there's some uh, vulgar language. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, he has zero context to what I'm talking about. And I just randomly texted him this question. I said, what would be the first thing that you think of if I said all-consuming fire? And so Sean said, and I quote, if I heard that on the way to a call, I will be getting ready for two things. One, a fully involved fire, meaning fully engulfed in flames. And second, my mind would be ready for devastation, is what Sean said. He would begin to start mentally preparing himself for what he was about to experience because it's going to—it's going to have a lot of disaster and destruction within it because it's all consuming. And so, just from Sean's answer, we logically know—logically know two things: if God is an all-consuming fire, and I let Him burn in me, one, every part of me will be engulfed. That's what Sean said. Don't blame me; he's a firefighter. <laughs> That's what he said. You talk to him afterwards if you—if you agree with this, disagree with this message. He says, You'll be fully engulfed in flames. If God is an all consuming fire, which we read that He is, and you have Him in your life, then your whole life will be on fire. That's what the word says, and that's what Sean says.
1: <laughs>
0: and the second thing, the first thing is that every part of me would be engulfed and on fire for God. And the second part of me the second thing is that every part of me would be changed. Because he said devastation would absolutely follow. There would be an alteration of me. Because fire changes things when it touches it. So if God is an all-consuming fire, and I know God and I love God, then one, every part of me will be engulfed in flames, and two, every part of me will begin to be changed. If I really know God, every part of me will be changed because there's fire that's that's devastating the things that I have. And as it doesn't sound so good. This devastating flame, what's it destroying? It's destroying fears. It's destroying past hurts, pains, shame. It's destroying sin, secret sin, known sin, guilt. It's destroying those things because the fire is touching it. Do you want that? Seriously, do you want it? Because I told you it's out of control. You're not going to be, if you really want it, you know I'm not going to be able to control it. So it's a tough decision to make because it will consume you if you let it. If you let him, he will consume you. And if you really want that all-consuming fire today, I'm going to tell you how to get it. I'm going to tell you what, how, how this word explains to us of how we can receive God as an all-consuming fire and how we can be fully engulfed in flames and how everything, our plans, our families, our, our, our dreams, our, our past, how all of these things can be altered by the fire. And the first thing I want to talk about is that and everything else I talk about fire, it's not coming from Sean, it's from me. Just in case you were wondering, if you disagree with anything, you can now officially address it with me. The first thing that I want to talk about about fire is that I have found that they don't naturally grow, grow larger the longer they burn. Naturally. Naturally, they don't grow larger based on the amount of time that they burn. Meaning, meaning, just from a logical standpoint, if I go light my grill, like I did yesterday, I lit my charcoal grill and I started it up yesterday. It had a pretty good flame going for a while. But if I checked it today, it's dead. It's out. It's been probably 16 hours since then, yet somehow 16 hours has not done anything to the fire Mm
1: -hmm.
0: except put it out. So that's the first thing I want us to understand about receiving an all-consuming fire in us is that the fire itself will not naturally grow larger the longer that it burns. In fact, it will normally do the opposite. It will actually burn out the longer that it burns. Okay? So that's the grandest misconception I think I found in the church is that old Christians don't have bigger fires than new Christians. That's kind of a misconception is I've been here a while. I've got a big fire. Most of the time, it's you've been here a while. Yours has gone out. That's the way I've seen it in most churches. They're walking around and they think that they're hot because the fire started 10 years ago in me. But it's run out of things to burn. That's the only way we can keep a fire going is that I have to keep putting something on it. Fires burn out when they run out of things to burn. And that's, that's, that's the biggest misconception I think I've found in the church is, not just our church, but any church, the, the whole church, Christians, is we think the longer my fire burns, the bigger it will burn. But normally, if I'm not careful, the longer it burns, the weaker it burns. Because the biggest fires come not from those who have been burning the longest, but from those who have surrendered the most of themselves to be burned. Okay? And, and that, that's really the first thing that I'm talking about today, is if you want an all-consuming fire, you have to give God all of you to burn. I mean, I have seen some massive flames from some people who probably couldn't even quote John 3.16, Philippians 4.13. I've seen some, some of the biggest wildfires I've seen, I could probably hand them this Bible and say, could you turn to Genesis for me? And they would probably start flipping in the middle or towards the end. Yet I've seen massive all-consuming wildfires from people like that. That doesn't make any sense. For for some of the people that I've seen like that, it's because while they may not know this book yet, they may not even know how to pray. They may have only said one prayer. But the prayer was, Lord, you can have it all. And that's a powerful prayer. That a lot of people that know this word from cover to cover have never prayed, never believed. And whenever someone really gets to that place of confession, denial of self, complete surrendering to just say, you can have it all, it it invokes a complete wildfire. Because remember, God wishes to be all-consuming. He actually desires to be that way. The only way that he's not all-consuming is if we don't let him be. And so why is it that someone who could barely know any scripture or hardly know how to pray, why is it they could have a bigger fire than me? Because they've laid a lot down to burn. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, I'm going to look at this verse quickly, but 2nd I'm going to hit two places actually. So you can go to 2 Chronicles and then you can go to Romans 12. I'm going to hit them back to back. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1, it says, When Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven. When he finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burnt Up the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Fire flashed down and hit what was laid down to be sacrificed, and because the fire had something to burn, it released the incense, the aroma, and the presence of the Lord, and it filled the temple. Romans chapter 12. Verse 1, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. If we look back at Second Chronicles and we apply a little bit of Romans 12 understanding to it, we would understand that when we finish praying, Fire flashes down from heaven and burns us up. When we lay ourselves down at the altar, then the presence of the Lord will fill our lives because we are the temple of the Lord. It's it's through putting myself on the fire that the presence of the Lord fills me. And, And that tells me in Romans 12 and 2 Chronicles, that tells me something dangerous. It tells me that I control the flame. Because if I quit putting wood on the flame, it burns out. If I quit putting myself on the fire, it has nothing to burn. God has nothing to use if I give him nothing. But when I put myself down, new parts of myself, new places of myself, it burns. And what's the best kind of material to burn? Normally it's things that are dead, right? Dead things burn well. We know that. And the truth of it is is that without God, I'm dead. Okay? So all I have to do is get into an understanding of the fact that every part of me is dead without him. And now I lay every part of me down, and he lights it all on fire. But if I'm in denial to think that any part of me is living, then God can't burn it. Because fire doesn't burn the living. It burns the dead. Right? So I have to get into an understanding that without God, I am dead, and I lay myself down to be burned. Because the only way that a fire can get hotter is by having more wood on it. I mean, even when we come into gatherings like this, we should just be literally saying, God, show me what else I can lay down for you to burn. Because I know that in order to have you more, I have to surrender more. I mean, that's how it is when we, when we gather like this, and we, hopefully we're all in ex- uh, expectation and anticipation that we would have more of God. That's why we've come. I hope no one has come to have the same amount of God. I hope you've not. I hope you've come so that I could have more. Well, the way that we have more of God is that He reveals something more of us that we could give Him so that He could consume more of us. Right? Do we understand that? Because, I mean, if all I've given Him is is these two fingers and I come before Him and I say, I want to burn more for you. He'll say, give me your other hand too. And now I'm more on fire because of what He's revealed to me. And a lot of times people run from that because it feels... It feels scary to give God more because, like I said, we don't like things to be out of our control. Go to Luke chapter 14. Luke 14. I'm going to move quickly. Luke 14, verse 26. I'm going to cover a little bit of Scripture quickly. Starting in verse 26, Jesus says, If you want to be my disciple, if you do, you must hate everyone else by comparison your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might only complete the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers matching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace when the enemy is still far away. So you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. Man, verse 33. That's the verse I really came to read today. Because it's black and it's white. And we we don't really like to study it. But His Word, His Word, not my word, not even Sean's word. His Word, in verse 33, tells me, I cannot be His disciple without giving up everything I own. Write this down. God needs surface to spread. God needs it. He he requires it. It's a prerequisite to be His disciple is that He has something to possess. He needs surface to spread. The only only way that we can have more of God is by God having more of us. And remember, God's default setting is all-consuming. The only reason... If I claim to have a relationship with God, the only reason that he's not consuming me is because i built a pit to put him in. Brick by brick, I've put up walls surrounding who God is and what he can and cannot do and what he can and cannot have, and I wish for him to stay there. That's the only way that God's not going to consume me because he can't consume from the pit. He can't consume with walls surrounding him. And that's what a lot of times we do with God. We build up a little area to put him in. And we ask him politely, please do not spread anywhere else. I wish that you would only stay there, God. I want to put you here, right in this, this little spot where you could just release a little bit of joy in my life and that you could bless me. But please do not spread over there because that's where I keep my money. So I'm going to put you right here, God. And don't you dare thinking about going over there because that's my marriage. You're only going to be right here. And when I want to fill your heat, I'll come to you. Don't come to me. When I'm cold, I'll go by and be warmed up. But please don't consume all of me. That's not a real relationship with God. It's not who He is. It's not. He's all consuming. But He can't consume from the pit. And there's two things that we have to consider when we're talking about this fire of God. One I already mentioned is he needs surface to spread. He needs it. He must have it. If you want a bigger fire, the only way to have it is to say, God, here's more to burn. Here's more of me to burn. The second is that he needs accelerant to grow. And by accelerant, I'm talking about fire fuel. I'm talking about something that would give an enhancement to the fire. And I've found through scripture that that, that the the way that we add fuel to the fire of God is one I fuel the Holy Spirit in me by fervent prayer, which James talks about. And we've talked about, like, forever. Kind of want to talk about it again today, but I'm giving you all just a break. We'll start a new prayer series next week. Um, James tells us, fervently praying. Fervently praying. What is it? I wonder what the word fervent means. Fire. Fire. When I pray, it's literally, it's just dousing my flame with gasoline. If, if you're, I don't know if women enjoy this as much as guys do, but you, you, if you're going to be honest, when you're working the grill, there's something kind of nice about putting a little bit of fuel on it, man. It's just kind of cool. You just like it. Me and Levi I get out there and we'll, we'll you know, shh, you know, I even use a little olive oil or something. It's just cool to see the f- flame spark up, you know. Me and Levi I even play a game where we're trying to stick our hand through it, you know, because it looks cool, but it doesn't really burn us. Mama didn't like that game. <laughs> but... But because I'm putting that accelerant on it, I'm putting fuel on it. The flames go, shoo, right? That's what, that's literally what I feel happening to me when I go away and I pray. You know, I get this little this little flicker of a flame. It's in there, and I'm kind of walking around, you know. And then I go pray, and the Lord just pours gasoline on me from heaven. I go, shoo, you know. But here, here, here's a, I don't know where I'm going with this, so just bear with me. Um, just to be honest with you. But you know what? One time I tried to light. Um, a grill using
1: gasoline.
0: I think it was, yeah, yeah. I used, I used, tried use gasoline, and I thought this was a good idea. You were there, weren't
1: you? Yeah.
0: <laughs> now this sounds like it was dangerous or something. But listen, if you ever tried it, we couldn't get it to even start. Mm-hmm. Gasoline, it's got too fast of a burn rate it actually wouldn't, it wouldn't catch our charcoals on fire because it would, flames would go super high, but because it wouldn't catch to what was sitting in the pit, it it really wouldn't produce a fire in us. It was kind of exciting for a second, but then it burnt right out. And, And so I want you to understand today, while things like prayer, it does pour gasoline on your fire, okay? And you might get into a service like this or something, worship's another way. To where it's just like fire on your flame. You go, whoa, that's awesome. And people love to go to like special conferences and listen to like Hillsong worship and all that stuff. Because it just feels like, man, gasoline's being poured out of heaven. And everybody's like, whoa, we're on fire. But if there's nothing there for the gasoline to catch to, to cling to, or to burn, it'll go out just like that. It needs, God needs something to burn. Right? Because you can pour all that gas and it's really hot and it's really high and it's really exciting. But if it doesn't catch to something, if there's nothing there for it to burn, it's just short-lived, okay? And so that there's these different ways that it's basically like fuel to the fire. Like I said, one is prayer; another is just meditating on His Word, just opening it, just studying it by worshiping Him. And you know, we talked about this real long. That's why I'm going. We talked about. I'm going too fast. We talked about this a little while ago, which is why I'm moving kind of quickly through it because we know Paul writes all of this to Timothy and tells him that these are the sort of things to do when it comes to fanning the flame of God. Remember, he says, pray, study, worship, remember who God is and what he's done. He tells Timothy, fan the flame. Remember, what is he saying? He says, you've got the flame. Now let's put a little gasoline on it. Let's put a little wind on it. You know, my, we, were, we were having dinner with my grandparents the other day, and they were talking about I don't follow the news, so if I'm wrong about all this, you, don't, you just tell me later about it. But they were saying there's this city that's uh, in Pennsylvania that has, what was it? You know what I'm talking about? Coals or something? Burning underneath it. Long story short, the whole town had to evacuate because the whole town's on fire, basically, underneath the surface. You weren't listening to this, were you? <laughs> Anyways, the whole town had to leave. And then they found another city in Pennsylvania that had to do this, too. It's coal, and it's on fire. And it's under the ground because hell's coming to earth. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Where is he going with this? No, but, but it's literally the town has to evacuate because they can't put the fire out because it's all consuming. There's no way to put it out. And it's something my grandfather said. And he said, the only way they could ever get that fire out is to restrict all oxygen to it, which is impossible. Right. That's, that's the way it is when we worship That's the way it is when we pray, when we study. The fire can't be put out because there's too much air coming to it. There's too much wind blowing on it from heaven. You can't put it out, right? It's all-consuming. But if I ever quit doing that, if I ever quit fanning the flame, if I ever quit praying, if I ever quit studying the Word, if I ever quit worshiping Him because He's worthy of it, then the fire can be put out because I'm not putting anything on it, which is me, and I'm not fanning the flame, which is Him. And so, you know, because when I run into the presence of God, it just blows a gust of wind onto my flame. And what does wind do by its very nature? Wind causes things to spread, to move, right? So if there's a little flame in me right here, and I encounter the presence of God, and the wind of the Holy Spirit blows on me, it's very hard for that flame not to go over here too. It catches, it goes, it spreads. That's what the fire does. That's That's what the wind does. That's what gas does. So remember, belief. Belief is the ignition that, that sparks all of this. So today if you don't know what I'm talking about and you're you're saying I just don't, I don't I've never even said I believe. Well, would you first say I just I believe in the Lord. It's a spark. But the more I receive to believe, the bigger my flame grows. The more I lay down and the more gas I put on it, the bigger the spirit of God grows in me. And I put it this way, the Lord put it this way to me for you to remember it. it write this down. I have to feed the fire and I have to free the fire. I have to feed the fire and I have to free the fire. What happened at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? 120 people gathered and they decided, hey, let's free the fire and let's feed the fire. It was a pretty memorable day in history. But it was because of the decision, guys, let's get together and let's feed Him and let's free Him. And that's what causes complete immersion in the Holy Spirit is that I'm deciding, Lord, you can burn on every part of me. You can have everything. I feed it By what goes in. That's the gas. That's my prayer. That's my study. That's my worship. That's my assembling with the body. Kind of like Stephen spoke about last week. How the single coal can go out when it's away from the rest. That's what happens when we get here too. Is we all have our flames. When we all get together. Man it gets hot. Because there's so much heat in here between all of us. And it's easier to stay lit when I'm next to people who are hot. You know. And so that's, 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 that's how I feed my fire. But I free the fire by what goes out. I feed it by what goes in. I free it by what goes out. That's where I let the fire go. That's my finances. That's my relationships. That's my occupation. That's my past. That's my hurt. My my past hurts. My insecurities. The words that I speak. My thoughts. Taking those captive. My actions. My taste in music. What I watch on TV. What I do with my time. My energy. I have to let the fire devastate everything. Right? Right? Sean said, an all consuming fire would be one that produces a lot of devastation. I have to let the fire be freed to have all of me. But you know, a lot of people I see, even the ones who seem to feed their fire the most, they won't let it be free to burn where it's most needed. So you know what I'm talking about? Now, I'm talking about people, they're living on the Bible app. I feel like I've always beaten the Bible app down. That's great. But people are living on the Bible app. They're going to, you know, they're listening to two or three, you know, podcasts a week. You know, Stephen Furtick, they know his children's names. You know, I mean, that's great. They're pouring all this gas on, but they won't let the fire actually touch anything. You guys know people like that? I, I can't lie to you to say that they don't drive me crazy. They post six Bible verses a day. They don't even go to church. I mean, Seriously. But, there's, but the flames are 10 foot high. Yeah. But please, if you don't hear anything, please hear this. God would rather your flame go 10 foot wide than 10 foot high. Mm-hmm. He wants access of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wants you. Yeah. A lot of people will feed him, but they won't free him. You know, he doesn't just want to burn 10 foot high. He wants to burn 10 foot wide. Some people will even worship him with their hands lifted, but not their life lifted. But, you know, God speaks specifically through the prophet of Joel. And he says, he's telling the people, he says, you know what, don't just tear your robes in anguish. Don't just offer me your worship. Give me your life. I want who you are. I know you guys want to just sit around and watch me burn 10 foot high. But you know what's really impressive? If you knock that pit over and let me spread, because that will consume you. It will consume you. We have to free God's holy fire to have the full estate of our life. It is a wildfire. We've got to quit putting it in the pit and roasting marshmallows on it. That's what we do. We're like, hmm, i got a problem. Lord, what do you think about this one? Mm-hmm. Mm, done. <laughs> right? Make a little s'more with it. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs>
1: it's like...
0: You can't control me. I'm all-consuming. I'm supposed to be burning on everything, you know. And, and so, it's only a flame. And if you're and if you're listening to this, and you go, well, why would I even want this? Why, why? do I? This sounds crazy and out of control. It is. But if you really care about your neighbors, have you gotten to that point in your faith yet, where sometimes you just look at your neighbors and you think, Oh my goodness, I hope they know the Lord. Have you gotten there yet? When you get there and you realize, oh my goodness, this whole thing is ending, all of our lives. And I just want people to know about Jesus. So that they'll be with him eternally. When you start realizing that, then you'll start realizing, Lord, fire spread. Because this is what the Lord told me this week. He said, If 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 his fire hasn't spread from corner to corner of my land, how could it ever reach my neighbors? Think about that very logically. If I haven't let the fire of God spread from my my corner of my land to the next corner of my land, how could I ever wish that their land would be affected by it? It's only through the spreading of the wildfire of God through every part of me that it has a chance to catch onto someone else. Okay, but what we do is we take a little piece of newspaper and we put it in our pit and we try to throw it at our neighbor's yard. Maybe that'll catch. And we call it Outreach and evangelism, and all this other stuff. He says, let the fire consume you, and it will consume others.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You won't be able to control it. I'm um, t- wrapping up. I titled this message today, The Fireplace. I'm talking about your chest. I'm talking about your heart. That is God's place. That's where he wants to have the complete access to, to burn, is in your, in your body, in your life. And, and the, the Lord to me like this this week. He said, receiving the Holy Spirit is like having a fireplace installed in your home. Or a furnace in your basement. I want to ask you this today. Does having a fireplace installed in your home necessarily make your home hotter? No. Can you imagine that? What if if we contracted, you know, we said, Stephen, I need you to put a fireplace in my house. And then he, he found a guy and he had it all installed or whatever. And then three days later, I'm sitting there. It's the middle of December. I'm shivering and I'm calling him up and I go, this fireplace isn't working freezing you know the first thing that you would think we would say anyone would say is have you put anything on it have you started it is it is it actually going you know that's what god has done he's given us his holy spirit it's the fireplace within us but the only way that it can burn is that i give it something to burn that i give him something to burn and that i start the fire and that I, let, that I let the oxygen touch it, that I let the wind touch it, that I open up the chimney, that I open up the vents so the furnace can burn and all of my heat can spread, you know, that I put wood on it. I'm constantly putting wood on it. I can't let this fire go out. Okay, Lord, I started tithing. Here you go. You want something else? I'm not going to listen to this kind of music anymore because it doesn't glorify you. Okay, you want something else? This is the way I raise my children. I know that I raise them the way that my parents raised them, but I don't want to do that anymore. I want to raise them the way you want them. And you see the fire burning up, burning up, burning up. And you go, okay, okay. i got to find something else. Right? It reminds me of like a TV show or something where you like, you start like breaking off things in the house, the door. And you're like, put the door there too. I can't let this fire go out. Right? And you're just looking for stuff. That's how I feel like they're coming, going, what else? What else? What else? Where is it? Where is it? You know, even my deepest opinions of things, I go, that opinion <laughs> up there, is that, let me just put that in. Is that you? you want that? we got to be looking for things because I'll get cold if I don't. I'll get so cold if I quit putting parts of myself onto the fire to burn. Because the fire, it has the ability to heat the whole house. Fireplace has a life. But only if it's being fed and if it's being freed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Only if it's being fed. Fed and freed. It needs to be kindled. It needs to... Do, you, do you want a fire like that? Do you want a fire that actually could change? Do you want a fire that could actually change your neighbor's life? Could actually change the people's life that you walk past in Walmart? The only way that we have a chance of changing our world, changing our children's world, our parents' world, is by letting this consuming fire take over.